We didn't understand what healthy relationship meant, both with the Lord at times and with each other. And if our relationship with the Lord isn't healthy and priority, we're not gonna have healthy relationships outside of that, whether we're married or not. It's all connected to God. So if we need love, we go get it from God and give That's it to right. our spouse. If we need forgiveness, we go give it, get it from God and give it to our spouse. So everything we need to have a healthy marriage is in our relationship with God. And and part of the spiritual warfare is thinking that the, the spouse is to be the source of those things, not the recipient of those things. Hi friends, this is The Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. Our story is not perfect, our marriage is not perfect, but thankfully, our God is perfect. Today it's all about inviting heaven down into your marriage and ultimately this is why we started the podcast. We wanna bring more of God's word and plan straight into marriage, especially for those friends who listen. So thanks for tuning in and here we go. Well, howdy, Mark and Grace here with The Real Marriage Podcast. And today's big idea is marriage is either lived heaven down or hell up. And sometimes in marriage you say, man, this just feels like hell. Well, you may have done some things to pull hell up and you can do some other things to invite heaven down. So I wanted to interview you at the beginning, Grace, without getting into too many specific details. When you think of a hell up marriage, where we're literally going down to the culture of hell and we're pulling Satan, the demonic, we're bringing death up into the marriage and family. What are some things that come to mind without too many details, but people we know, people you love, women that you're serving, that, that really hell has been pulled up into the marriage? I think if people come into marriage, women specifically unhealed from past wounds, I think they bring hell into their marriage. I think if you bring unforgiveness of any kind, whether it's specifically toward your spouse or any other family member or friend, you're bringing hell into your marriage. If you believe lies about your identity, you're bringing hell into your marriage. If you have emotional or physical or sexual relationship you know, in your mind or physically with someone else, you're bringing hell into your marriage. For those that have a heaven down marriage, you look at it and you say, man, it looks like, it looks like God really comes down and blesses those mm -hmm. people and the environment of their home, the environment of their relationship. It feels a lot more like heaven than hell. And, and that's why people love to be in that environment. They love to be around those people. It's life-giving, it's that's unburdening, sweet. it's sweet. Mm -hmm. There's a joy. Who comes to mind for a heaven down marriage example? Names? Well, you don't have to give names. You can if you want. I mean, this is a good one. We, we won't give names for the bad ones. <laughs> I think of people that laugh a lot. I think of people that can interact and joke with each other, but not cut each other down. I think of people that even if you can tell they're not agreeing in every level, they still have respect and honor for one another. And uh, what do you think it's like to be a kid that grows up in that kind of environment? Oh, fruitful, life-giving. They want to get married instead of dread getting married. Um, they look forward to it. And that's where there's a whole generation of people that are waiting longer than ever to marry. So the average man is over 30. The average woman is pushing 30 at time of first marriage. Most of them are doing dating, relating, and fornicating, mm -hmm. you know, previous to their marrying. And uh, and it's because they have great fear and terror around marriage. And some of it is they just grew in a, they grew up in a home where literally the parents kept pulling the culture of hell up into the home. And you're like, I, I don't want to be a part of that. And I certainly don't want to bring children into that. Yeah. If you grew up in a home that invites the kingdom and the culture of heaven down, there's a lot more life, hope, joy. The fruit of the Spirit is present. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And kids grow up saying marriage is awesome and yeah, I look forward to it. 
Mm-hmm. And so all of that to say, this big idea of spiritual warfare in your marriage, there's not just two of you or three of you, there's four of you. It's the husband and the wife. It's also the Lord, but it's also the enemy of the Lord and his people. So uh, what I wanted to interview you on, babe, and make it real practical is just like we're sitting in chairs today, uh, as many people are that are listening to the podcast, if any one of these legs was missing, everything would be unstable and eventually Mm -hmm. fall over. There are four legs to a biblical supernatural worldview. The first is the unseen realm. And Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle. Uh, And that language there in the original text, it's exhausting. If any of you guys have been in hand-to-hand combat Mm. and there's no rounds and there's no break between rounds, it's exhausting. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What that means is that your spouse is not your enemy. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) That your enemy is your enemy, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so the Bible teaches that there are two realms, one reality. There's the unseen realm that God sees, and there's the seen realm that we and God both see. And so what I would like to say is that when hardship happens, when trials, temptations, troubles come, I'll ask you, babe, especially if it's evil or bad, is God behind that? No. Now, why is God not? And some people do. They think something happens, God must be punishing me. No, God doesn't punish us. He always wants to bless us, but we need to put ourselves in the way of having him involved in our marriage, in our relationship in a vital way. If our focus is on him, we're gonna be able to hear from him and get out of chaos and trouble. Well, if Jesus was punished in our place, God is not going to punish us. There may be consequences for the decisions that we make. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when hardship comes or trial, trouble, temptation arise, our first instinct is this must be God. God must be mean, abusive, unfair, unjust. That's part of the spiritual warfare. And or we think the problem is my spouse. And we need to remember to look at the cross and we'll never see God as mean. Well, yeah, the love of God is demonstrated in the sacrifice of Jesus. But is your is it possible for someone to wrongly conclude that there is an enemy in this marriage, but then to think that their spouse is their enemy? Yeah, we did that for a long time. Okay, we can be honest. Um, maybe not too honest, but <laughs> a little bit honest. All right, what did that look like for us in our marriage? I would say for us, the early years were hard and mm-hmm. the latter years have been the best years. Yes. Yeah, I think I pulled back. I didn't know how to communicate and you knew how to communicate boldly. And so <laughs> I think in that, we, I retreated and you were frustrated because I wouldn't have a conversation about things that you were frustrated about. I didn't know how to communicate about trials in our marriage, about challenges that came up. And so I would just pull back thinking that somehow it would resolve itself on its own. But the enemy used that to create um, just an insecurity in me. He would attack my character. And then if you were frustrated, it just fed that lie. So it was really damaging for both of us because you felt neglected and I felt attacked and we didn't know how to get out of that. And behind it all, there was a real enemy. I mean, we really did love each other. We really do love each other. We've been faithful to each other since our... You know, March 12th, 1988 was our first date. Um, great day. But we did have struggles in there. And, and you can be honest. I mean, did we know the Lord? Yeah. I mean, you were a new believer yeah. and I was a pastor's daughter, but I had had a season of wandering and, and doubting, um, not who God was, but doubting who I was in God's eyes. And so it really caused turmoil. And I brought that into our marriage. I brought that unhealth 
into our marriage. And we truly didn't know how to get out of that. Well, and in that, were we in the scriptures? Were we in prayer? Were we in church? Yeah. So we were doing the checklist boxes of all the stuff you're supposed to do. Yeah, but I think we didn't understand what healthy relationship meant, both with the Lord at times and with each other. And if our relationship with the Lord isn't healthy and priority, we're not going to have healthy relationships outside of that, whether we're married or not. It's all connected to God because He has a perfect relationship within the Trinity. Well, and within that too, so if we need love, we go get it from God and give That's it to right. our spouse. If we need forgiveness, we go give it, get it from God and give it to our spouse. So, so everything we need to have a healthy marriage is in our relationship with God. And, and part of the spiritual warfare is thinking that the, the spouse is to be the source of those things, not the recipient of those things. Yeah, we'll break each other if we do that. Well, if you give a job description that only God can fill to your spouse, eventually you're going to destroy your marriage. And that's what I think I did early on. I need grace to love me. I need grace to encourage me. I need grace to bless me. I need grace to forgive me. I need grace to never leave me nor forsake me. I think I handed you Jesus' job description was disappointed that you weren't God. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we both did that to each other to some degree. And I think behind that for us was the spiritual warfare of Satan wanted us to not have the kind of relationship with Jesus that would produce the kind of marriage that only Jesus can produce. Mm -hmm. So the first principle is spiritual warfare uh, is, is number one, the unseen realm. That there really is a world as real as the world we see, and it impacts and affects the world we see, and that is the unseen realm. And if we don't acknowledge that, then that is the greatest weapon of Satan to th for us to think that he doesn't exist and or to think that he's not active and involved in our exactly. marriage. The second is binary thinking. Um, binary thinking is the, the Bible's categories that there is truth and there is lies. There is light, there is darkness. There is good, there is evil. There is the creator, there is the created. There is angels, there is demons. Um, and what happens in our culture is everything is just shades of gray. But binary thinking allows you to understand that everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. So God creates marriage, I'll ask you, babe, what's a what's a Satan, a demonic counterfeit of marriage? Well, like gay marriage. Gay marriage, we said it. She whispered <laughs> it. I said it. How about just living together, sleeping together, but never getting married? Pretending. Pretending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how about adultery within marriage? Absolutely. God creates fidelity. Satan's counterfeit is infidelity. Well, and even the option of divorce is a counterfeit. People thinking that divorce is a vital option. So there are times, and maybe we can get Absolutely. into this in a future episode, um, where there are some permissions for divorce. Yes. But early on in our marriage, we would not use that word. There was a covenant that we made with each other in the Lord, and that was that the word divorce was not going to be spoken in this relationship. We said there's no back door, which meant whatever comes up, we're going to work it out because we have Jesus. Well, and, and I remember one time in the living room, I think you said something effective. We're either going to be happily married or unhappily married. I mean, so <laughs> when you reduce it down to those options, you figure out what forward path you want right. to have. The third, so there is an unseen realm, binary thinking. There, there is good and evil. There is God and Satan. There is right and wrong. The third is group guilt. And that is that when some crime is committed, all the participants are held responsible. So let's look at Genesis 3. It's the first case study of spiritual warfare. Adam and Eve are perfect beings in a perfect environment, in a perfect relationship with God, and everything still goes south. Satan shows up. 
He gets Eve to sin first through commission, doing what she should not do. He gets Adam to sin through omission, not doing or saying anything. The Bible says that the woman ate the fruit and gave some to her husband who was standing there with her, saying and doing nothing. Um, So the storyline of the Bible is wedding and then war because Satan attacks marriage. And what happens then, you could talk about this, babe. Um, When caught in her sin, what is Eve's response? Who does she try to blame? How does she try to pass the buck? Satan made me do it. The devil made me do it. So Mm -hmm. she's charismatic Pentecostal girl. (laughs) God shows up. What have you done? She says, oh, she doesn't deny that it was wrong. She just blame shifts. Yeah, and I think that can be common. We don't always want to blame our husband. Why do you think she didn't blame her husband? I mean, that would have been pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have probably like, <laughs> why were you that. just Thanks sitting there not telling me <laughs> and affirming and leading me? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's easy to say now and look back and say what I would have done, but yeah, I probably I would have deserved it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, sometimes women fear confronting their husband. And I think there's ways to do that. And we can have a lot of conversations about that with tone and timing and prayerfully addressing serious issues in your marriage. Um, But I think a lot of women think, oh, either it's not a big deal or I just don't want to get into it. Um, But if you don't get into it, especially in the er early years of your marriage, if you don't address, not nitpicking, but if you don't address the spiritual issues that are deep spiritual issues in your marriage, they will only get worse and that will be a foothold for the enemy to continue to jab at you and divide you. So how many women following in the example of Eve, the husband is clearly not loving the Lord, leading, taking responsibility, but she wants to defend him or cover him? I mean, countless. It's tragic. And I think, I mean, I hear those stories all the time and it's this, I don't want to be this empowerment person necessarily, but I want women to feel like, no, I am created equal. I have value. My husband is not treating me with value by not leading me well and loving me well and standing there doing nothing. And so there's there's really a balance of how to address that issue without becoming the domineering wife, trying to lead your husband to lead you. <laughs> it's a very tricky situation, but we know how God set up the order um, in the Bible with creating Adam and then giving her equal value, but then asking him to lead his family. And when we do it in God's way, there will be fruit from that. No matter how hard it is to get to that place or maybe reorient your marriage to that place if it's in the wrong order now, there is fruit from that. God does bless that. He does honor that. And to walk in that together is a, is an incredible testimony to people to show that God is honoring how he created things to be. And the Bible says a few times in the New Testament that Eve was deceived. Mm -hmm. The woman wasn't being malicious. She was not sabotaging the marriage intentionally. She thought she was helping. How common is that, that the woman has good intentions and bad consequences? That's why we need to work together. And Mm -hmm. I think it's not good for the man to be alone either. And so I think if we're working together, we both have gifts, abilities, strengths, weaknesses that we need to help each other with. And when we're working together, it's beautiful. But when we're on our own trying to be independent, yet we're supposed to be one, it's, it's really hard to glorify the Lord together in that. We don't honor the, the Lord and how he created things to be. So Eve, blamed, the devil made me do it. So mm-hmm. Adam's answer is, uh, hey, Lord, everything was great. Uh, you and I were fine. All, all was well. And then this, this third variable showed up, this female. 
Ever since then, everything has gone south. I assume it's this third yeah, variable. Yeah, he blames her. Yeah, can't be me, can't be you, Lord. We were great until this woman showed up. And then- uh, he, Which is accusing God, because God's the one that created her. Well, and that's what he says. He says, Lord, the woman you gave me. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty bold. So one of the first lies that Adam is believing in spiritual warfare is I married the wrong woman. Yeah, blame shift. I think that is a common- common, common lie that the enemy tells men, and it's part of spiritual warfare. You know what? The woman is really the problem. If you were married to a different woman, you would have a different marriage. Mm. Things would be easier and better. Yeah, it's sad. Um, and this is the lie of emotional affairs, coveting mm -hmm. another man's wife, mm -hmm. pornography, all of it is just under all of it is that deep-rooted demonic lie. It is spiritual warfare. Uh, God, uh, I got the wrong girl. Mm. I married the wrong woman. Um, and I didn't intend to share this. I believe that lie at various times in our yeah. marriage. And I think every man does if he's totally honest. Yeah. And God spoke to me audibly. I was 19 years of age, brand new Christian. I was at a men's retreat. I didn't even know God spoke to people audibly. <laughs> um, and he said, uh, you know, Mary Grace, preach the Bible, train men and plant churches. Mm. He told me to do four things as a 19 year old guy. 30 years later, that's what I've been trying to do by God's grace. Even though God spoke to me and said, Mary Grace, there were times in the trials of our marriage that I wondered, did I marry the right woman? And alongside that, I was hearing the lie that I wasn't good enough for you. So can you see how that battle just rages constantly until you figure out that there is that enemy warring against you as a couple? And when you start to to call those out as lies, then you can pray together and say, we're not gonna believe those lies anymore. So, and I would see, babe, in Genesis three, these two go together. So Satan comes and he attacks the woman saying, you need to do some things to be like God, That's even right. though she was made in God's likeness. So he attacks the woman's identity, which creates in her an insecurity. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the man, the lie is you married the wrong woman. And you put those two demonic attacks together. The woman is thinking, you know, uh, I'm not the right person. And the man thinking I married the wrong woman, mm -hmm. well, then that's cataclysmic. Absolutely. And that's the beginning of the destruction of the whole marriage. And again, a lie doesn't need to be true. It just needs to be believed. Mm -hmm. And then it's empowered. Yeah. And so with Adam, what he does is he shifts the blame to the woman and to God. Lord, the woman is defective and you made her. Uh, and what, what the man then does, Adam, our first father, and all of us are his sons, is he really sees himself as a victim. Hmm. And this is where men can get very embittered against God. Stop praying, stop reading the Bible, stop going to church. Why? Well, you know, God failed me and my wife is the wrong woman. Hmm. I'm a victim. And, and that is part of the demonic lie. That's part of the demonic deception. God is good. This is the right woman. And you're not a victim. And it affects everything the man does toward his wife. Even if he never says a word that communicates what you just said, his actions will be very unloving toward her and standoffish and, and not want to engage in an actual relationship. And so she will know. And so she'll either self-protect and back away or she'll become, you know, one of the wives that is leaking and venting and bossy and... Nagging, proverbs, mm -hmm. dudes yep. going to REI to get stuff to move on That's the roof. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, within that, in Genesis 3, who sins first, Adam or Eve? I think Adam. 
You think Adam by mm -hmm. his passivity? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so his was a sin of omission. Hers was a sin of commission. I think that this is part of the spiritual battle. And we tend to think of Christians solely as sin in terms of commission, saying or doing a wrong thing, not omission, saying and doing nothing. Over the years, I won't name names, but even people that I know that have written entire marriage books have horrible marriages and catastrophic sexual lives mm -hmm. because they have a theology of marriage, not a reality of marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the result is that ultimately, many of the problems in their marriage are sins of omission. I've seen a lot of guys who are pastors, we're, you know, we're a ministry couple, get fired for adultery. I've never seen anybody fired because they haven't made love to their wife in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Though I actually know a parade of people that that would qualify for. Yeah. And so part of the problem in evangelicalism, we only see sin as what you do, not what you don't do. Well, if you look at it with Adam, he didn't do anything. And that was the sin. Yeah. And so, you know, I believe, let's say that in so far as sin of commission goes, Adam sins first, Eve's, or, or let's say, let's say sin of commission, Eve sins first, rather. Mm -hmm. Adam sins second. She partakes, hands it to him, and he partakes. But then God shows up, I think it's in Genesis 39, does he call out for Adam or Eve first? Adam. Adam. Why does he call out for Adam, not Eve? Because he's the head of the home. He's the head. And we believe in singular headship, plural leadership. Yes. So as husbands and wives, we are both leaders. That's why the Bible mm -hmm. says, honor, obey your mother and father. The head means that he is supposed to go first and take first responsibility like Jesus loves the church. And so you men need to know this. If you are saying nothing, you're like Adam. If you're doing nothing, you're like Adam. If you're taking responsibility for nothing, you're like Adam. Um, I had a you're not loving your wife. You're not loving your wife like Christ loved the church. So, so they in that, you know, kind of the Ephesians 5 principle, for you men, there's a difference between fault and responsibility. Eve's sin, group guilt, she's responsible for her sin. Adam is responsible for his sin. Satan is responsible for his sin. That's the principle of group guilt. God shows up and says, Eve, okay, here's your consequence. Adam, here's your consequence. Satan, here's your consequence. Group guilt, everybody's responsible, but the person who is firstly held responsible is the man. And so let me just make this very clear and strong to the men. The problem does not start with your wife. The problem does not start with your enemy. The problem starts with you that until the man gets going in the will of God, it is hard for the wife, the children, and the family to walk healthy in the will mm -hmm. of God. Yeah. And what we have is we have churches, this will be my free rant for the day, where the women's ministry is huge, the men's ministry is non-existent, the children's ministry is huge, the men's ministry is non-existent, the student ministry is huge, the men's ministry is non-existent, the divorce recovery ministry is huge, the men's ministry is non-existent. And if the men, would lovingly, humbly take responsibility, we wouldn't need as much children's ministry, student ministry, women's ministry, or divorce recovery ministry. Because there wouldn't be as much damage done by the sons of Adam. Mm -hmm. And so the difference between fault and responsibility is seen in the cross of Jesus, all of our sin, none of it is his fault. But by dying in our place, he made it all his responsibility. That's the essence of what it means to be the head of your family. And so uh, we, we, we had a conversation some years ago with a guy whose daughter was marrying a bad guy and sexually assaulted and abused and horrific situation. Mm -hmm. He was a Christian and she yelled at her dad in the counseling session. And uh, he looked at me and he said, I, I don't know why she's so upset. I didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> that was the problem. That's the problem. He didn't protect her. He didn't serve her. He didn't love her. He didn't lead her. And that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So if your wife is reading her Bible and you're not, 
If your wife is praying and you're not, if your wife is getting the kids ready for church and you're not, you should just nickname yourself Adam. <laughs> you, should, you should buy a ticket to just watch the enemy take the field and wreck your family because yeah, you're, you're not an active participant. Mm -hmm. And that's the last one that we either invite heaven down or we pull hell up into our marriage. When all is said and done, there's gonna be two cultures, the kingdom of God and hell. And if you are a passive man who blame shifts to Satan and your wife, sees yourself as a victim, makes excuses rather than plans, and men, you've got two choices. You make a plan or you make an excuse then you're gonna pull hell up into your family and marriage. And you're not gonna to wanna to be home because it's gonna feel like hell. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna to wanna to be with your wife because it feels like hell. You're not gonna to wanna to be with your kids because it feels like hell. So you're either not gonna come home or you're gonna come home and you're gonna create a man cave and you're just gonna drink and you're gonna watch sports or ignore your family or download pornography. And all of that is demonic spiritual warfare seeking to kill, steal, and destroy That's right. for generations. The converse of that we'll get into in the future is inviting heaven down into the marriage. What does it look like to not keep pulling hell up into the marriage, but as a husband and a wife, to invite the culture of heaven and the Holy Spirit down from heaven to bless and heal the relationship? I think be willing to see where you're unhappy and disgruntled, be willing to own that, and then be willing to work on it. Be teachable in your marriage together. And if your wife isn't, pray and help bring her along. And as a wife, be willing to address your own issues. And if your husband is pointing things out to you, be willing to listen. And if you need further help with counseling, don't be afraid to do that as well. And whatever it takes to do that is worth it because there's so much blessing in a healthy marriage. And if you can't see what that looks like right now, it's not too late. You can still, um, God is still on the throne and he can still heal whatever wounds you have in your marriage. And so if you're willing to work together to pull heaven and invite heaven down into your marriage, then God can totally do a healing work. And the testimony from that is incredible. Without that, we wouldn't be together. No. Because I think all of us fall into the same pattern of Adam and Eve. The problem with Adam and Eve is the problem with all of us. And that is that they're looking at everyone and everything except for themselves. Mm -hmm. And. God can only help and heal for those who start with their own need for forgiveness, repentance, healing, learning, changing, maturing, and growing. And usually in marriage, it's like, God, if you would just change them, then things would be better. If you would just change them, then I would respond differently. And love says I go first. That's right. We'll get into more in the next episode. Thanks for joining us.